Welcome to Bat Therapy, psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and educator and comic aficionado Keaton Hopkins. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube and social media and find our Patreon at patreon.com slash therapy. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. But what is going on, y'all? This is Keaton7 with Team JVS. I am super excited today because uh as you know i also do the bat therapy podcast with my good friend dr emilia brown and she is going to join us today we're going to be doing a special crossover episode first time ever team jvs bat therapy cross up i also have (laughs) sam with me sel0320 himself how are y'all doing good great great i feel like i'm in a cw crossover and i love it right (laughs) supergirl came over to the the flash show there you go i'm super excited these are these are the people i hang out with uh every week and now i'm hanging out with both of them and it's absolutely excellent and it's funny because normally sam has his guys night on thursday nights normally me and amelia record on tuesday nights and so we're meeting halfway on a wednesday so i'm super (laughs) excited um i this just means a lot to me we also have another member of team jvs that's going to be joining us uh jedi mike and uh i'm just I'm super stoked because we are going to be talking Invincible. Um, Before we get started, I want to just let y'all know this is going to be full of spoilers. So if you have not seen the first four episodes of Invincible Season 2, don't listen unless you don't mind spoilers because we are going to be talking spoilers and we're going to be doing some character breakdowns like we normally do on our bat therapy podcast but we're going to be doing it with team jvs so i am stoked yeah i'm particularly excited to join you all for this one because um keaton introduced me to comics and so i was always feeling like i was trying to catch up and invincible i actually read the comics and knew all about it way before the show happened so yeah i was really excited about it it's such a good comic yeah um so first things first sam what did you think of because before we jump straight into season two we have to talk about how season one ended right because uh because our main character he suddenly finds out that not only is his dad not a hero but his dad also tries to tries to kill him right so that's got to be a shock to the the system 
right there. But then moving between seasons one and two, I feel like there's a lot of shifting in attitudes and feelings and emotions. Um, and Sam, first I wanted to get your thoughts on it. And then I want, I was going to take it to Mike and then, uh, Amelia, I was going to let you take a go at it. Sounds good. Yeah, no, for sure. Emotional damage is the two words that come to my mind, because the, the truth of the matter is if you go with the first episode, like Mark hadn't even gotten his powers yet. And it was kind of like, he's always looked up to his dad. He's always wanted to kind of emulate him and connect with him on that level that there's another part of him that he couldn't connect with and then he finally did and then he realized wow there's a lot of expectation here there's a lot of collateral damage here there's a lot of responsibility here all that touch and go at the same exact time his dad is laid up in the hospital so for the whole season he's like i gotta meet these expectations i gotta meet these expectations i gotta do better getting to the last episode and he's starting to realize not only is his dad not perfect, which is, you know, you, you, you strive to be connected to your hero, right? And like his dad was his hero and he loves his mom so much. And he thought that his family was just so connected and it was an immediate disconnect. Like it was almost as though he didn't even want to be connected to his dad in any shape or form anymore because he couldn't, because he had to kind of look inward like, oh man, what this man has done is not only genocidal, but he's looked at us as nothing. He's willing to not only kill me, but enslave the entire human race with the power that he has himself. And so, like, I think it was the moment where they were fighting in the air and he was kind of like, you know, what, what will all this matter in 500 years? None of this will matter in over mm. 500 years. Like, they'll still be here. And, like, he's like, they still matter because it still happened. You can't ignore it not happening um and it's just so fascinating to me like how destructive emotionally it was for mark because not only was he physically broken like he was emotionally scarred um like he was used to kill thousands of people at once like his body was used to kill thousands of people and he couldn't stop it he was not only powerless that he used him like a tool and you know, at the same time, after all that happened, his dad also left. And so he's left with the fact that his dad beat him almost to death, left with him with all this mess and responsibility, and he left him and his mom for nothing. And yeah, there, it was a lot, man. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of break down what that looks like from an emotional level. It's unthinkable, honestly. Definitely, definitely. Mike? Yeah, um... As uh, someone who, I guess, you know, Mark is only child, I'm only child. And you, you know, you look at terms of, you know, reverence in terms of your father, thinking that he is a superhero, like literally. Um, but then, you know, they kind of get flips on his axis when you're talking about, you know, never meet your heroes, even though mm. that hero hero tends to be your father, who you basically grew up with the rest of your life. Um, so it's like, uh, um, again, with the previous season, again, we begin to just build, build up. And definitely with a cliffhanger at the end about you know everything that's happened. But uh what you can you see is that you know what happens when you know we try to be something we want to be, but then realize like the very thing we try to be is something um something unthinkable, right? Uh basically a monster, right? And then you're thinking, well then, well, you know, his blood is my blood, and I'm gonna become like him. This goes to things about you know generational curses, you know, of mm -hmm. uh, where you know people feel like, oh, well, my dad had anger issues, so therefore I have it, which we do see that 
that Mark has that side of, you know, of his dad. He just, you know, tap into it. But again, that now that fears him now. Um, but and what we see when we get to the beginning of the season, uh, I love just in terms of they're dealing. They don't waste any time dealing with the aftermath. And unlike some stories, you just want to rush. Like, yeah, we have a time jump. But again, you're still feeling the emotional weight of people going through this, you know, really different stages of survival guilt. You know, you have one where, you know, you know, uh, you know, people uh, are basically feeling bad that they know they yes, they're alive, but they feel like they, they failed because they could have saved more lives. But then all of a sudden, then like uh, some other family members of, you know, people that have been killed are now you're seeing their stories from, the, you know, which you didn't see uh, the extension of these characters other than, you know, them in the first season. So I like how we were going to get into this in different uh, layers and everything like that. So definitely, definitely. Wow. Um, Amelia. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you guys are just hitting on such really important stuff. I, what I really love about these comics and the, the show, I think, has done justice to the comics very much. So they've stuck very true to it. Um, there is just a lot of character development and you get to you just connect with these characters very well. I mean, Mark is. So he's going through his teens. His dad's a superhero and he's waiting. He's just desperately waiting to get his superpowers. He finally gets his superpowers. And, you know, Sam, great point. His dad's kind of out for a while. He's in the hospital. So Mark's kind of figuring it out a lot on his own. But he finally, he finally gets what he wants. And then um, all of a sudden, it's all just ripped away. It's it's all completely ripped away and not just his idea of what being a superhero would be, but his home life and what he thinks that is. I mean, his mom is compared to a pet uh, and, and it, it kind of reminds me of Homelander in some ways in terms of you're so powerful, you don't see yourself on the same level as everyone around you. It's kind of like how we see a fruit fly as very different than ourselves, right? I mean, if you think about power level, if you think about um, how long you live in comparison, and so it's it's kind of understandable that he sees it in that way, but man, I, I cannot imagine what that would be like for Mark. Not to mention that Mark, you know, also cares about his mom. His mom hears all this stuff that happens. She hears everything his dad says. Um, and so the whole family is just uh, kind of torn apart. And absolutely, um, there's this huge piece in season two of, okay, well, I was literally just figuring out how to do the superpowers and figure out, okay, how do you start being a superhero? And now I have to worry about becoming a terrible supervillain at the same time. And my dad says, that our genetics take over the Viltrium genetics. They clear out the the human genetics, the DNA. It's so powerful. So, what do I need to be afraid of from my dad? And that's so. What's so interesting about it is Mark had to go through this heavy, heavy transition mm-hmm. at lightning speed. He literally went from "My dad is my hero." I want to be just like him to being in complete fear of being just like him. And it happened just like that. And what's even more interesting is when we jump into season two, 
they do this interesting thing in the first episode where we see what would happen if Mark was mm-hmm. exactly like his dad. And it goes back to something I feel like we've touched on a lot in uh, our podcast, uh, which is people end up being a product of their environment, right? And um, Omni, Omni-Man, Mark's dad, he was he was he was raised in this system of everyone except other Viltrumites are ants to you. They're not mm-hmm. these are not powerful. And so he's also locked in that mindset. And we see character growth even from him because we're seeing, oh, everyone does still have that um, that potential to change. But at the same time. It's extremely difficult, given how much time you might have spent in a particular environment. I mean, it definitely is. I think what you're talking about rings true. So there's genetics. Genetics are important in terms of different traits we might have, um, just like diseases and and things that that might happen. Um, and then there's how ha- you know what is the environment we grow up in? What do we learn socially from? the people who raise us from the the other kids around us and and other things going on and then there's cultural so you know you're hitting on the culture that his dad grew up in which was such a strong culture that he took it with him light years and light years and he's so separated from his people and yet all of these cultural beliefs and traditions still really ring true for him even though he's been playing a part for so long that's a good that's a good point sam yeah no i think it's very fascinating and it it this happens you know like um there are some times where you know your parents grew up in a different environment and they may have struggled and then they bring you up in a better environment but they have to be able to maintain who they are their identity like there's certain traits that they cannot remove because they're ingrained in them. And I think the hard struggle with that is for Mark that I can kind of think of is if his dad could go this long and lie to his face and be willing to beat him to death, he has to be in his head like, am I capable of that? Not just the physicality, mm-hmm. not just the enslavement, but the lying, the manipulation. Like he killed the original guardians, right? And so it's like, I mean, that's one of the shocking things oh of the first episode. <laughs> I was low-key, because again, I haven't read the comics. And so I was like, oh, this is such a wholesome little anim- animation. And I was like, really dope, really cool here <laughs> origin. And like when Omni-Man showed up, and I was like, this don't feel right. And then all of a sudden, like their version of the Flash gets his head crushed in. It was brutal. It I was like brutal. I don't know what you've done, Robert Kirkman, but <laughs> um, but I mean the fact that he did that with people he worked with for years, mm-hmm. and he did it and covered it up, and he did it so calculative. And Mark had to have to reconcile, like, man, am I capable of doing that with another group? Like that may put him off from joining other groups. Because the, the truth of the matter is, it may be that Omni-Man distanced himself not because he uh, just didn't want to work with others. He may realize, like, eh, eventually I may have to actually kill all these people, so mm-hmm. I need to kind of disconnect. But the other side of that is he 
did connect with, you know, the mother. He did connect with Mark. He did make a new home. He did. And, and I think that's honestly the reason why he didn't kill his son at the end. Like he he realized like, man, I don't think I can do this. I need to leave. And there's a lot of times when people like disagreements happen and all of a sudden like you right before. And I know this is a very huge stream. Right before you about to do something you regret, like I need to walk away from this. I need mm -hmm. to process my emotions and get out of here because I'm going to do something I regret because I, I really haven't understood why I'm doing it. Um, and I kind of that's I think that's the most interesting thing that when you go into season two, they play so many different interesting foundations as far as Omni Man that I didn't think we would go down that route. But yeah, yeah, it's really interesting too because yeah, like you said, you can hopefully get to that point where you go whoa, uh, and and find that way to step back. And the really interesting with Omni Man, think about where his step back point is. He's murdered thousands upon thousands of people millions. in what minutes uh, he... millions if you count on other planets right oh sure yeah yeah let's yeah, count other right. planets too. that <laughs> one episode right. when he took that whole civilization out it was like for a week it's done Year, years for them but i was just like so think yeah. where his line was and it and it makes sense because he thought that this woman was his pet but then she, you know he builds a life with her um, and has a son, and he's probably milliseconds from murdering this son because the son refuses. He he wasn't he wasn't raised like a Viltrumite, so he's refusing to do that. And something stops him. And what I love about season two uh, is that at the very end of those four episodes it starts kind of unraveling that piece too. So it's not just Mark. And also I definitely want to make sure we touch on his mom too, but it's, it's not just them in terms of the, the family and, and dealing with these things, but also his dad. And so, okay, I stopped myself before I went too far in his view, but for everyone else, he's already gone way too far. And so it's a really, I think, interesting turn on Sam, what you're talking about. I think all of us can understand is, oh man, what happens when you can stop yourself, but you've already gone way, way too far. Yeah. yeah I, I think that um, at the final, uh, the final episode, again, like even from, it goes back to a lot of Professor X, even though uh, somebody stumbles or loses their way, it doesn't mean they're lost forever. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, when we go uh, back into that flashback with, you know, when Mark is just playing baseball and still mm. like, you know, Nolan is still being reserved and uh, having that um, uh, the attitude being standoff, you know, uh, being detached because that's all he ever knew. Right. But then that's also a thing even in the marriage, too, is like, you know, sometimes our partner, you know, our partner is able to bring us into uh into experiences we've never uh had before not knowing that is actually a lightning thing that we can have in our lives and then and we forget about that and i'm not i don't have kids yet you know i'm working on that but it's like when i eventually have kids it's like years from now i'm like okay well i remember we have moments where we you know we might have heated arguments and stuff but then i remember well you know that's still my child you know and and so i think that again that goes into different uh aspects again just like even though we might have our issues, it's still like, you know, we're still family. But again, also, there's also a level of forgiveness that are applied to this in these relationships. Yeah. And 
And is there a deed that, that's far from forgiveness? We, you know, that's the question. And whole boy is that like, there's so much to forgive here. Right. Cause I mean, even though he does, mm. he doesn't kill him. He says ton of terrible stuff. I mean, Ooh. he, he literally uses him to murder a bunch of people and he pretty much says, I will kill you. Like I, everyone probably thought, well, Mark's dead. <laughs> Gonna be and, a one season show. <laughs> it's a one season <laughs> show. <laughs> it's, <laughs> And, and I don't know. I think that's part of what I like about Invincible is it really takes things to these like extremes and either ridiculous or just like you just go, whoa, at times and have to think yourself through like, man, how does Mark, how does Mark find his way through? Because in some ways, it's almost psychologically easier to come to terms with, okay, my dad was good and now he's bad, right? There's even though it was very confusing, it was still in some ways black and white. Wait, but now my dad's good again? So like, it's, this is so trippy for Mark. Mm -hmm. You know, where, where do you go from? It's so much more complicated. Okay, if I forgive my dad, what does that mean about, you know, am I betraying the humanity. earth and all? Yeah, am I betraying <laughs> humanity and all the people that he murdered? Like how, it's a very tough thing to come to terms with. It almost would have, in some ways, I think it would have been easier not knowing that his dad had come around at least somewhat from what we know from, you know, through what we can see of season two. Yeah. And what's what's even more interesting is I'm thinking about what Mark is going through with all of that. But we also have to remember, one, he hasn't had his powers for very long. And mm -hmm. two, he's a freshman in college. <laughs> like. I'm thinking about all of the emotions that he's go that I would that I'm feeling at my age now. But like think about that as a high schooler slash college freshman. Think about mm -hmm. when we were freshmen in college. Yeah, I knew Keaton yes. when he <laughs> like, was a senior in high school freshman. <laughs> we ain't we don't even yes. gotta go. That's a whole nother episode. We don't even, Sam, I don't need your side eye either. This isn't about me. We're talking about Invincible right now. And I was just trying to bring up a very good point. I didn't, this is not, no, we're not doing this. Well, I mean, I can add, you know, I was one that recently graduated. So I understand like the college experience a little bit uh, to the modern, you know, modern context, you know. Um, so like uh, uh uh, one thing that I felt fresh, like freshman year of college, and I can imagine there were just big milestones for a family, right? And the fact that he had his graduation, his dad's not there. Mm. And, you know, going to college, his dad's not there. You know, um, and but only that is just, there's almost not even think that he's getting these moments of accomplishments, but he's still not appreciating them basketball because deep down, and what I'm wow. thinking that I don't think he deserves it. You know, mm. because uh, again, it's like, uh, even when uh, when uh, his mom is like having, you know, just having dinner or just understand, just trying to keep moving day by day. She's, you know, she's self-loathing through, you know, uh, alcoholism, you know, obviously mm -hmm. drinking a lot, um, uh, coping with that. And again, like try just negate uh, just basic needs of just say, hey, you know, I'll cook dinner or something like that. It's just you're, it's easy to just de uh, de detach from that, not basking like, hey, you know, we still have to live our lives. But again, your, your dad's not there. Well, and also, we still have to live our lives. Oh, but also, our dad slash husband is a mass murderer, and he's not here. Right. 
to for people's retribution essentially he did. and right. so we're getting we're getting all the blame for it yeah we're getting but, all the blame for it for sharing sharing our walls with the monster all this time right and it's not even right. that we're necessarily getting the blame for it but we're feeling the guilt of it oh yeah because we're here to see they're there to see all of the damage yes that was done by him while he's not just and, and i know mark's got to really be feeling this to find out oh not only did you leave us on earth to deal with all the mess that you caused but now you here and wifed up with somebody else with a kid <laughs> talking about i'm a changed man and i'm different like are it's you- only been two weeks yeah <laughs> like right like, like i can't I couldn't, my jaw was on the floor when I saw that. I was like, the nerve of this man. I was, I was mad at J.K. Simmons. I was mad at J.K. Simmons. I'm like, I can't even believe you, you did the voice, man. you did the, the voice work for this. I'm appalled. I was. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I no. So <laughs> I think the thing about it is like, when you, when you go through something that Mark went through, how can you really truly trust him? You know, mm. and like you're your first understandings of humanity starts with your parents, you know, like if they're kind and understanding and forgiving. um, But if they're liars, if they're abusers, like your perception of everybody else around you has got to be, it's got to be slanted. Like he, part of him has to feel like one, I can't trust myself. What if I go down this route? Am I going to be my dad? Then the other part of this is how can he really truly trust again? Um, but I think that it's funny when it comes to him being a freshman, I think that Cecil was, he made, she, he made a good point. He's like, you need to get your head on straight. Like you're still in the tailspin, but yeah. Cecil was doing that for his own agenda. Like he, I was he about wants, to, say, he wants just to make sure that Mark's still on humanity's side. And I think that Mark realizes that he does want that because he wants to keep some semblance of humanity yeah. that he has left. Well, I think part of why... Yeah, and I think part of why he goes with Cecil is, Sam, something you said really struck me, which is how can he trust himself? So he was already trying to figure out how do you do the superhero thing? And I love all the side characters because they're also trying to figure it out. How how do we actually do this in a way that works? And then you realize you you never figured it out that your dad was hardcore lying your entire life. Okay, I have a lot of powers. And in fact, I have a lot of powers much like this guy. I have a lot of his DNA and I didn't see it coming. <coughs> Someone else needs to be in charge of me. I can't trust myself. I think that's why he's leaning into Cecil. I mean, Cecil's sketchy. I mean, what government person in these kinds of comics and stuff isn't. But um, yeah, I, I think you're right with that in the not being able to trust himself through this is definitely coloring what he does from there. Uh, I also want to acknowledge uh, Amber, uh, the relationship that Amber had with uh, Mark, because that was one of my biggest negatives I've had in season one of just like, whether you okay, you don't know I'm Spider-Man, you know, no pun intended, but like, you know, at least I might be going through things situational wise and not just at least having a sense of, understanding or no or um grace you know with me but then what she did again i would just it's almost like a complete 180 of her character uh mm. for me 
uh, when I was watching this is like, you know, of all the things we need, you know, our girlfriend should not be, you know, just like, why did you come here on time? Why were you late to graduate? I'm sorry, I'm dealing with, you know, dealing with my mom, dealing with, you know, my dad, dealing with grief and me, you know, and, and again, which is the times of grief like that or just loss in general is that, you know, especially if you're in a relationship, those can be very try, uh, trying times, you know, because you don't know what you're going to react to. Like, uh, I, like two weeks ago, I, I, my grandmother passed away and I'm a newlywed. And like, this was like my first loss that me and my wife had experienced in our marriage. And, you know, so again, it just in those times, those really just test uh, not only, you know, though, in terms of your character, who you are, but also just in terms of the weight of the relationship itself. You know, and and uh, and that's why I felt with Amber, what she'd done, at least with episodes I've seen so far, she's been nothing but supportive um, for uh, Mark and throughout this whole um, episode and definitely um, uh, giving him, him the college experience. I guess. <laughs> that's one way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> you know, give him a nice little distraction. So so this is something where Mark is better off than his mom. Um, now, I, th- I think mm-hmm. that that Debbie probably, she probably feels a lot of the things he is even more intensely. Uh, you know, she she was the one that married him, connected with him uh, for, for longer, brought a son into the world together. Uh, but I mean, she has, um, gosh, I can't remember his name, but the guy who like creates the, the super suits uh, in, in this. Mark Hamill? Mark Hamill? <laughs> Yes, that's the voice actor for Mark Hamill. Yes. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. What? Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, art. Yeah, art. Yeah, the uh, the superhero title. Yeah, art. That's my. Oh, I'm gonna have to re-listen to that. I totally did not put that together. I love Mark Hamill. Um, Yeah. So she she connects with art here and there, but I mean, the poor woman, um, because she lost her husband. um, All these terrible things have happened. But she also, how do you grieve the loss of someone when everyone else is reeling from the the death and destruction that person did? And and it was so poignant when she connects with that support group in season two, and then someone finds out who her superhero husband was. So these are spouses of superheroes who have died. It's a support group for them. You're not supposed to talk about who they were. But inevitably, she connects with one of them, and and they end up finding out her husband killed his wife, and he was pretty much like, "You're not welcome there anymore." And so that's both Mark and his mom really have that to struggle with. And and I think what you bring up with with Amber and Adam Eve and just Mark has, I think, more people. And I also wonder if the youthfulness kind of helps to a certain degree with, with some of it too, where, um, I don't know, he's, he's in these points in life where he's more likely to be able to find people that can support him versus his mom. You can see her just isolating and then that's where the drinking's there. And it's just a really tough road for her. Well, because the mom has devoted her entire life to, okay. Staying undercover as Mm. the wife of a superhero, right? Like she's been, she's been basically his his Alfred this whole time, right? She's Mm. been his support system. She's been his rock. She's been there for him. And all of a sudden, oh yeah, 
I look at you like my goldfish, right? When he said, <laughs> when he called her his pet, that was, that line was more devastating for me than I all know, the right? people I watched him slaughter. Like that <laughs> hurt so bad. Because yeah. what's so interesting about this, because what makes superhero shows so, and, and comic books so interesting is when you take these characters that are, i.e. invincible, and you put them in very human situations, yeah. right? Like we've all been through a bad breakup, right? And somebody that treated us absolutely horrible, uh, emotionally abusive, sometimes even physically abusive, mm. all of a sudden they leave us, we're devastated and healing, and we look over and somebody else is with them saying hashtag blessed because they're suddenly this changed person, right? Which is what Mark is seeing mm. with his dad. But with the mom, the mom, she's just devastated because this was the this was the love of her life. It's not mm -hmm. just that, oh, I knew this guy, I was friends with him, and they did something horrible. This is someone she slept next to mm -hmm. and loved dearly. And she's finding out that He's a, he's a monster. And what's even more heartbreaking is she does the right thing. Yeah. She finds a support. So she finds a support group. It's, it's so disheartening when you try and do what's right. And it ends up even worse. I felt so bad for, her. I'm like, Oh wow. Support group. This is exactly mm -hmm. what she needs. This is going to be great. This is, this is excellent. And it's like, Oh, yeah, this is, this is bad. And this yeah. happens where there are certain things that make it hard for people to, to do, do what's going to help them. Um, okay. So you're, you're mourning the loss of a relationship and it's someone who's done really terrible things to people. Who do you turn to? Cause a lot of people are going to focus on the other things that this person did and not really be able to be there for you. Um, yeah, it's, it, man, it, it's just, I, I was also really struck by what you said. I mean, like, she's also had to be undercover this whole time. And Mark, too. I mean, he has a lot of superhero friends, essentially, which I think, once again, helps. But also, her out in public, it's it's her husband died in an explosion or something. So so she she has to veil it in so many ways. And then she finally finds a place that she can open up and talk about it more but even there, they show, no, you cannot be completely honest. People right. aren't going to be open to being there for you. Yeah, from, from an animation standpoint, I think the scene where she kind of leaves there and is just walking down the street barefoot. Yeah. Like, I think that the word that kind of came to my mind was like hopelessness. Like, mm -hmm. you can just, you can just feel it over it. Like, she has nowhere to go and she's sinking within herself. And the sad thing is, during that same time, her son isn't even on planet. So, oh yeah, she she doesn't have. I if I again, I have not read the comic, but I would not be surprised if something tragic possibly happens to her because she has no one. She can't. I mean, she technically does have Cecil, but she can't trust Cecil, you know. And the costume maker, Mark Hamill's character. I mean, I think he's really good because he's through all the years been giving this man his costumes and trusting him, confiding in him and different stuff. And 
I think the crazy thing is what I remember the first season, there was a moment that I thought Omni Man was just gonna kill him based oh, on yeah. uh-huh. and the fact that Omni Man didn't kill him, it shows how deep a relationship they actually did have, which is fascinating. But there at least she's got him, but the hopelessness is set in. Like I, I really don't know where she's gonna handle it. and I, I give credit to the voice acting talent because Sandra O oh is a beast. Oh yeah. She's a great, but she is this season she is chopping it up and spitting it out. But there's other characters as well. Like, I mean, with Sterling K. Brown's character being introduced into this one and him dealing with his own level of devastation and how he processes all that is very fascinating. Because it basically it takes Omni Man as being a person like if you imagine somebody that's the most kindest and like well-rounded person that's always helping people and you find out that they're a serial killer that for years they've been killing people like what do you, what does that do to the families and what does that do to everybody else connected to it and for them to profile that with a superhero show is crazy i've never seen anything like that's why i'm so excited to see where it's going to go yeah i um i think with because again with that conversation again i've done like through my mental health like journey through especially in college and is also like, you know, when it involves like multiple different people, uh, whether it might be an accident or a situation, whatever. Um, again, you're making the right decision of like you taking two steps forward, only to take six steps back, mm-hmm. um, you know, in those situations. Because when it, when people think, oh, well, uh, they have a level of unforgiveness in their heart and saying, well, you don't, you know, well, this this person did this to me and, you know, and he, they're not here. So I'm just going to take it out on you. That's not fair. However, but it's under, you understand. Right. Um, again, that's just situations that a lot of us are in, I guess, in life where we might be in a state of unforgiveness or feeling that maybe we don't deserve forgiveness ourselves. And maybe like, you know, it might, it might be a little bit light in the tu- uh, um, at the end of the tunnel and then you try to step, you know, closer to it. And then he's like, oh, no, nope, you know, and, and then you're, you're already back down to square one. That's why it's a journey to level of, of healing. You know, it's not just, you know. Uh, a easy process, right? And and you and you're right about uh, what Sam talking about again. Like Mark is already off planet, and just well the situations that you're, that you're in. But just think about this: it's just like as a parent, your your kids in college, they might as well be off planet, you know. So it's like, um, and I feel like on the sense of a mother, especially for my mother, she felt like if I didn't contact her or at a time, whatever, is she like, what is is he okay? Is something going on? Whatever. And then yet she dealing with her own baggage. So it's like it's it just stacking on top of each other. So I, I just think again, they what they did here was a very, very uh realistic adaptation in terms of again what's going on in the real world, but again, with using superhero content in the right way, because we've seen superhero content before in many different, you know, properties, but this uh, and uh, and along with a few others, such as Gen V, definitely do a very good job at highlighting, you know real uh, human problems, but with these um, supernatural characters. And I think, I think that's what I find so impressive about Invincible is it's very superhero. I mean, Omni-Man is so powerful and the amount of destruction he does is so ridiculously high. And you're so right. They, they still make all of this stuff so relatable. And I mean, there there are people who feel hopeless and trapped and can relate 100% to, to Debbie Grayson or 
tr just trying to figure life out. And then it keeps like throwing curveballs at you and there's no way you can dodge them like Mark Grayson, or maybe you've done really terrible things and um, you're trying to find retribution. And yet, you know, that in finding a way forward, some people uh, who may have been harmed for them, it, they might not see that as justice like Omni-Man. I mean, there's very real stuff in here. And I, I think they just do a wonderful job. The comics, the storyline, also the voice actors for sure do a really great job of still connecting to the core of humanity, even though it really, I mean, this is like max, I mean, like you're going to different planets. You have like destruction of like alien worlds. Like there's all this oh, stuff that's awesome. very superhero. And yet, yeah, it's so relatable. It's right there on earth. Yeah, it's right there on Earth because, <clears throat> I mean, just looking at, I like, I feel like I do remember going through heavy, heavy stuff, whether it was um, at, like things going on with family or relation, like uh, relationships with with friends and things like that, and being a freshman staying in my dorm definitely was a good distraction from yeah. mm -hmm. all of it right because when you're when you're on campus you're in your oh, own yeah. other little disgusting overpriced <laughs> world <laughs> you really you really are and not only that but mark can also run away anytime he wants mm. And that's such a good, it's always good to like, because I know me, like if I'm ever going through something, I do love just jumping in my car and just driving. This mm. is somebody that told his girlfriend, hey, I would fly you to Paris, but if I got you there quick, your skin might fly off because you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I'd be going too fast. Like, <laughs> like this is somebody that really can just get away from it all whenever he needs to. And I really, I, I, I need to show his mom some love because she is going through it. And I really love that scene that when they connected, when she was, um, when she was slamming the cabinet door and oh, yeah. he, and he walked in. Oh, that was so good. And he walked in. It was such a good scene because it was almost like, it was almost like he looked and was just like, oh yeah, there is mm -hmm. someone else going yeah. through it just like me because at that time it was mark mark had like tunnel vision mm -hmm. he was just like doing his own thing and he it's almost like oh yeah he realized that's right my mom's going through absolute hell right now and i need to be there for her and so i was really happy that that um happened and it was just so funny how it was the small thing that brought it on that cabinet door that she had been annoyed with. And then of course there's those, um, there's also, I, it was interesting the way they showed how certain things can be triggers. Yeah. Uh, when the couple comes and sees the house and it was the way he was talking down to her. And she was just like, she's not your pet. Like she just, it just really you just go, oh shit. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. That's a touchy subject. <laughs> I was I'm mad too. Get them. They don't deserve a house. 
housing market is horrible anyway. They ain't getting no house. Like I was, I was, I was so, I was as angry as she was in that scene. I really was. And so here's the thing, and and it, it's it's one of once again how it's so relatable is it can be really alienating for people where yeah you've dealt with some really serious stuff and things will trigger will your your memories are are tied to these different things that are familiar or relate to the situation that happened and especially if there's something really traumatic that happened oh my goodness a lot of times the brain has trouble processing through all of that and not just going straight back into that trauma mode and so here you have people who are probably like, what in the world was wrong with that woman? When we know her story and we know what's going on. And so it makes complete sense to us. And, and the thing is, is that a lot of times people don't, you know, we don't see the comic book story behind someone's life. Um, but yeah, these things go on for people all of the time. And it can really start to take over someone's life. And you see it with her. I mean, she's numbing herself out with alcohol. She's um, She tries to reach out. It doesn't go well. So she ends up literally shoeless on the streets because she doesn't know she doesn't know what else to do. Yeah. I know this is completely off target, but I want to talk about a character that I didn't expect to get a whole episode dedicated to him. Um, but I'm talking about Alan. Um, yeah, Alan. Alan. This is the thing about Alan the Alien. And I think that it's something that I realized. I was like, the first time we met him, it was kind of like a random moment. Um, but in, there's a couple episodes with him in this next season. And I was kind of like, you know what? Alan is so dedicated. Mm-hmm. Um, he's lost his whole race. And yet he's still pushing to help, to coordinate, to take orders, to try to preserve peace and he doesn't seem disheveled he doesn't seem down he doesn't seem vengeful he just seems like this area of hope and it's funny because it to me connected with superman i was like this this, Mm. like alan is the most superman character out of everybody in the show because the truth of the matter is like he hasn't changed like he's like i'm still hopeful i'm still going to do this i'm still dedicated to this and yet he's so strong and the crazy thing is because he also is an orphan he's also modified like he's he's got an actual destiny there now, where they leave him, that's a whole nother question. He had his own, you know what? He actually had his, uh, gosh, doomsday situation that happened. Um, <laughs> yes. And it's just so interesting because I, I want to see more of Alan because Alan, he's just so non-jaded. But at the same time, he's so hopeful and funny and comedic. And I just want him to succeed. And I think he's a good ray of positivity, which, Every other character is dealing with so many different dimensional issues, but yet he's lost everything. I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up because I never thought about it. Yeah, I like him. By the way, Seth Rogen, perfect. Perfect choice. Right? I was thinking the same thing. Perfect choice. And what's even worse, I'm not gonna lie. They they got me in that fourth episode. In that in that was it the fourth, it was the third, I think it was the third episode, but because they introduced like the elder that's supposed to be this good guy. And he was voiced by Peter Cullen, Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime was the traitor. I could not believe them. I was like, you know, this was, that was Sentinel Prime. That was Sentinel Prime. Was, right. Yeah. This was a personal attack on me. Cause I was like, <laughs> oh, well, we know who the good guy is. Clearly. I know that voice anywhere. 
It's gotten me to sleep multiple nights. Like I, it's like, I trust that voice. It's like, like if Sean Bean was in a movie and he did not die. You'd like, be like, oh. wait, like, wait, wait a minute. minute. Wait, there's got to be a post-credit scene. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Which, no, funny enough, like the the one Sean Bean movie that comes to mind that he lived in, strangely, Silent Hill. Of all the movies <laughs> that he did not die, he lived in Silent Hill. Which still, so this was your Silent Hill. This was this was bad. This was rough. I'm not gonna lie. Just that voice and that action. Oh, I was appalled. I was yeah. Because when I was watching the episode, I was sending Sam messages in all caps. I was like, "How dare you stream this for me?" I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm unhinged. I'm- yeah, because I was kind of like, I don't know, there's a common denominator here, and it's not the math ain't math, and somebody's leaking stuff. And I was like, is it the old man? Like, nah, they wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. He did because my man <laughs> Alan got the works. He got the mm, that was that was that was ruthless. There's the Alan ended up in the third episode was so rough, and it was like after the beating, what happened after that when he's at the hospital, like. That was rough. Oh yeah, that ain't enough. Oh yeah, we're gonna we just gonna unplug this life support real quick, which makes me think he's gonna make a comeback. They ain't gonna send him out, not like that. <laughs> he gotta he gotta make some kind of comeback. We'll see. I'm I'm hoping for it because that was I'm like you're not gonna they give need, me they need, to, they need to give him the matrix of leadership. You know what I mean? Like they I gotta mean, yeah. gotta revive ain't, him. Ain't no way they give him his own episode and kill him off at the end of it. I'm like, man, that's <laughs> that's some, that's rude as hell. Everybody gets one. <laughs> I I love his character too though because it is amazing. He I mean he's literally created to beat the the Viltrumites to uh essentially keep them from just going around and murdering all of these different civilizations. Then they find out that he's not going to be strong enough and it takes, I think, a certain kind of person to be able to bounce back and have the positivity that he does. Because I think for the majority of us, that would that would take so much to be able to come back around and figure out how do I how do I create an idea of who who the heck I am anymore? I was built for this thing. I can't live up to that expectation. And I think for a lot of us, that would just Oh man, it, it would just take so much to be able to to mentally work through that. But Alan, there's just something about him that, you know, I think we all wish we had a little bit of Alan in us. Yeah. He's uh yeah, he's definitely uh he definitely can well take a beating and keep on keep on keeping on. In many and, ways, yeah. Yeah. And and then of course we gotta we haven't really dug too much into it. On the other side of that is nolan who Mm. is just moving on and a changed man at a way too fast rate right like it and it's (laughs) funny because as i'm not that scene i was glued to the screen while i was watching it because mark's it the the artist did such a great job drawing mark's face in that fourth episode, like go back and look at his face, his face. It was, it kind of reminded me of, do you remember in Lion King when Nala 
was telling Simba how horrible things had gotten in the Pride Lands. And Simba looked at her and was like, Hakuna Matata. And she <laughs> looked at him like, what the hell did you just say to me? Like, that was the face that Mark had when he was like, oh, this is my wife. And this is my new child. It's like, oh, so you learned the error of your ways from beating me to an inch of my life. <laughs> like, it was that that whole thing. And what's funny is Nolan was almost, like, confused. Like, look, I've changed. Look how different I am. Like, Nolan was just expecting him to be like, oh, that's cool, Dad. I'm so, I'm so glad. I'm like, so he, glad you found your insect lady. Right, right. It was just, it was so interesting how quick nolan was like we're cool we're cool now right look i got a new family this is your brother i've learned from my ways and he wanted i the, mark looked at his brother like if i had a can of raid right now <laughs> you're forgetting though potentially the worst part it's like hey look i've changed i tricked you to come here right <laughs> to show you yeah. i have changed because look <laughs> I procreated with with a bug person, and this is, and, and and they're seen as lesser than in my culture. Oh, uh, which by the way, the reason I the main reason I tricked you into coming here is so that you would help me fight them, because they're going to come and destroy the civilization because I had the bug lady's kid or had a kid with the bug lady. So it's like, what? Like, Are you kidding me? I can't believe it. It's kind of. It's like. Nolan, he's trying, but the world is still revolving. The universe is literally still revolving around him quite a bit. I think, excuse me, I think that was um, the moment when the Viltrumites came. Mm. uh, uh, And there was a moment when Nolan, bro, uh, break back into his ways and actually had uh, Mark in the chokehold and saying, like, why did you make me do this? Um, and say, uh, basically him talking like, you know, my, my, you no, know, my kid is, you know, about to, you know, um, uh, die. My wife about to die. Why should I, like, why do I care? Why should I, am like, well, you should have done that back in earth. Right. And, and that response he gave back to him, you know, to me, it's like, he's not all the way there, but at least he's making progress. And I think, again, mm-hmm. it's like, even then, regardless of that, that still was his brother. And, <laughs> Then so it's like I again it's like regardless of where my dad is, that's still my brother and he's still innocent people. You yeah. know. Yeah. So he's know. he's lucky that Mark is a, a better man than than he is, because I think if <laughs> Nolan was in that position, he'd be like, nah, I'm out of here. Yeah. But you notice Nolan still shifted. He shifted right back when those other venture mm-hmm. mites came. He was like, All right, Mark, we gotta kill him. And he's like, I'm not gonna kill him by him. He's like, we got to kill him. And then he wanted to go back into dad mode again. And I'm like, uh-uh. Uh-uh. I mean, look. <laughs> play the devil's advocate on this. I mean, it, it really was a do or die situation. He knows. He knows what these people yeah. are about. And the truth of the matter is, I think that him having his son in the chokehold again, he really was trying to project because he was like, I made this decision to not kill you, to not enslave everybody, and I left. And I don't know if that was the right decision. Why am I so weak? And mm-hmm. I think that this happens. Like sometimes, like, you know, whether it's our parents or somebody older than us, we always have this moment where somebody kind of projects us like how they're really feeling. They're being very emotionally vulnerable. And I think that was another moment that he actually is sharing with him. He just knew that if we don't do this, 
everybody's gonna die and so it's kind of like he he had to turn it off he had to turn a little switch off in his brain like okay i gotta go back into kill mode mm-hmm. to preserve everybody but like i need you to let it go right now so we can deal with it but i mean the, the truth of the matter is this happens all the time divorces happen all the time people walk out all the time and then immediately you know even even sometimes like somebody like passes away and they need to have somebody else to move on like people mm-hmm. process you know, separation very differently, sometimes very quickly. Um, I've seen it in different parts of my life with different people, different family members, where it's like they need to reconnect. And it's like you you question, like, have you recovered yet? Like, do you mm. realize what just happened? It didn't matter. And I think that the, the outside perspective, that's a selfish thing to do. And it is. But for him, it was like, I think this is what I need right now to be able to reconnect with something. And I'm not justifying what he did. I think that's terrible. But I think that it happens so commonly that it's, it just shows how human Nolan actually is more than he'd like to get away. Because otherwise, why would he even care about reconnecting with any family? He shouldn't He shouldn't have done it at all. <laughs> like, he he definitely, yeah. I mean, he definitely, not killing, not killing Mark. That, I mean, you you saw, he literally just like, zipped off so quickly all the blood burned straight off of him and he just keeps and he said i just kept going 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 till i hit you know i got somewhere and it went so against his training and everything that he was meant to do in his entire culture and background and and everything it threw him through this huge loop but yeah it is uh it's just such mental gymnastics for Mark to have to deal with all this. Cause you're right. I mean, like we, we just, we have a hard enough time when it's like, wait, so you were very committed in this one place and then it's over for whatever reason. Um, and then all of a sudden you're connecting somewhere. We we're very black and white. We like putting things in boxes. And so a lot of times we, if we see things as opposites, we don't think they can exist at the same time when they often can, you can be, happy and terrified at the same time you know um you can you can care uh about two different people at the same time you can you know there are all these things that feel very opposing that can exist at the same time but we really struggle with it and so poor mark is having to deal with that part the the family dynamics Oh, and also, uh, my dad murdered all of these people, and and I'm a superhero. And how do I morally wrap my r- mind around him too? It's just so much for that poor kid to deal. I know he's technically an adult, but essentially, like this poor kid to deal with. And it's like an hour. He finds out his dad bring, brought him there, and now he's got to fight for his life, literally. Yeah. It- it's a lot of the 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 one of the coolest things about this show is just showing h- how Mark is fighting a multi front war, mm. right? Because he's he's dealing with now. It's like okay, I really got to be there for my mom. I'm trying to maintain this relationship with my girlfriend. I'm trying to pass my classes. I'm trying to make Cecil happy. I'm trying to figure out what the hell is going on with my dad right now. And it gets so difficult because that is all on like 
a planetary scale what he's dealing with. But I mean, I think about it like, okay, got bills to pay. All right. My son had an accident at school. I got to go take care of that. Right. My car engine, my check engine light just came on. Got to deal with that. Oh man, I forgot about my my mom's birthday. I got to run and get a gift and I got to figure that out and buy her dinner. I need to check my savings account. Like these, these are things that like will really happen and all hit at once. And it's just, it's insane to me how relatable what Mark is going through, mm. how relatable it is and on and how grounded it is with real life issues that we all deal with and go through every yeah. day. Yeah, because cool. the easiest thing that Mark could do is say, screw it all. I'm just, yeah. you know what, maybe my dad's right. Like, maybe I don't need to process all this. Maybe I just need to just do this. Because the truth of the matter is, you take all the scenarios that Keaton just listed, it's like your head wants to just escape. Like, screw mm. this. Like, screw all these kind of high expectations before I break. I need to do this for me. Which technically, that's what Nolan did. He's like, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how to reconcile this with this world. Like, I'm either one have to kill my son and everybody in it, or two, like, you know, I just, I'm just gonna do it, you know. And so I think that escapism is something that, you know, will be the other path. But Mark is he's trying to stand his ground. It's just it's just so much. And mm-hmm. yeah, he does have other heroes, but they're all still trying to figure it all out. At the end of the day, his mortality is gonna come. And the longer he lives every year, it's gonna get rougher. And rougher, which is why I'm so excited to see where the story goes. Because, like, yeah, this may end up being a great superhero story. I'm so excited. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, I yeah. I think this show has the opportunity to go further. Where I think Young Justice uh, uh, was trying to go, but didn't fully fleshed out as much as they could. Uh, because you know, I was there when Young Justice uh, first came out while I was in middle school. And now here they go with, you know, Young Justice season four, um, you know, or in college and getting married and everything, right? And you see these characters getting married, having kids and stuff. But to see that uh, in other areas where it's like now we have not only just the mature or graphic nature of Invincible, but also they're able to do more storylines. They have the freedom to do whatever um, what they want. They're not restrained to be like, oh, we're trying to target, you know, uh, we got to be, you know, we can't say that source material. Like they go over very, very dark stories um, that I feel like no other superhero property has have actually dealt with. And I feel like that gives them an opportunity to be the first to do it because we know right now in the current, you know, medium today, we're just seeing things being repeated just with different skin. But this game, well, no, this show definitely has an opportunity uh, as it you know, progresses in multiple seasons to, uh, just, again, just be original. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Yeah, it's phenomenal all right so uh sam any anything that you wanted to touch on um in addition to everything we've unpacked we've unpacked a lot tonight it's been great yeah we we've really kind of gone through the ringer um i mean the adam eve episode was a very interesting one um we don't have to talk about it here but we didn't get as much in season two just yet but from what she had to deal with in the first season and specifically with her family and what that kind of does to a person subconsciously and emotionally like 
it's just really interesting because I don't know where her character is going to go because she's so strong, but at the same time, emotionally, she's just unraveling. Um, and I think the biggest thing is that every single character, some kind of a way, has been emotionally compromised from the first season. And mm-hmm. the fact that everybody is emotionally compromised, you know, of course, it brings out great characterization and, you know, development, but it's kind of like, I don't know where some of these threads are going to go. Because take um, the immortal, for instance. The man got killed. Like, he was dead. First episode. And then they brought him back. And it's kind of like him, like now he's in the second season again. He's having to deal with the fact that, you know, he's having to deal with a person's, you know, spawn or son that basically effectively killed him. Um, I don't know. Everybody's dealing with their own trauma and emotional, I don't know, like they, they just, they're just not, they're developing, but I'm not sure where the threads are going to go, which is why I think that the main villain, which we haven't talked about of this season, that's why he's so interesting to me. And he's being played by Sterling K. Brown. Um, I, I really feel like he's kind of like the embodiment of everybody else's formal that they're dealing with. But I, I think that his can be so much more destructive because he's dimensional. Like he goes between different mm-hmm. dimensions. And I am so curious to see how his pain is going to manifest something very different. Um, oh, man. His is so sad, too, because they they also, like, they, they, have, they have all these intricate stories. And, and the nice thing is you do get these little tastes and you're just desperate to learn more about all these different characters. But doing something heroic to keep people from dying. And then that results in you, you essentially lose yourself and then become the villain. Right. Um, I mean, that's just, it's such a sad story. And um, yeah, like you said, I mean, here's, here's our main antagonist here. Um, And then, you know, you were talking about Adam Eve earlier. I, I feel like anyone who goes into a helping field, feels a little too much like Adam Eve. I mean, she, that poor thing, she is trying to make the world a better place and she is discovering how complicated it is mm-hmm. and is also a very, very relatable thing. Um, I honestly sometimes try not to even think about her character just because I'm like, oh, too relatable, too relatable. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll focus on everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as a teacher, as a teacher, oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, yep. Like mm-hmm. try to do you try to do the right thing, and then it's always somebody mad at you. There's always somebody it's mad awful. at you. You're always stepping in something. Yeah. There's always a reason something wasn't fixed. Yeah, uh, she can literally create matter and and change whatever she wants, and even she can't figure it out. It's like, yeah. oh no. But yeah, all these characters are so interesting. Some of my favorites are Monster Girl and Robot. Hmm. Um, I love this idea of you have this this maturing woman whose body is literally de-aging on her. Um, and so she's treated like a child all the time. And and once again, another way of being isolated and separated from people. Robot growing up in essentially like a pod. And he's now having to learn what it's like to actually be in danger. He, he sent a robot before and now he's in the mechanics. And so he's having to learn, oh, 
it's terrifying to be out here with everybody else. It's not the same as, yeah. you know, when you do it on a screen, essentially. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, so many cool characters. Well, yeah. you even got uh, uh, Mortal and um, what's her name? Uh, uh, Duplicate. Duplicate. Oh, yeah. yeah. Duplicate. Like, again, like now, uh, that's a very unique story. I won't spoil anything with that. But again, like with just one single line when she was telling the Rex is like, this is the only person I ever met that actually died as many times I have. Right. And we never actually think like these are like these are not holograms. These are yeah. physical, <laughs> you know, these That's are physical different. matter body, you know, body that she's getting killed, you know, multiple times and stuff. So it's like, you know, what does that actually do to her mentally? Again, it's just like yeah, you know, so I and, and, and when she said that, it's like, okay, oh man, she might be just doing another hookup. Like, no, this is actually is a deeper thing. Yeah. So um, I can't help but notice that you seem to bring in all of the times when people have sex in the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can't. Hey, no, no analyzing JVS members in the contract. No, no breaking down JVS member. <laughs> What's part of the deal? <laughs> it's okay, Mike. Don't worry about it, bro. For the record, Mike was also picking at us for being old before. So yeah, no, 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 no. Not, it's not picking. It's like I'm receiving wisdom. You know, I'm being trained in the ways of the force. You know what I mean? So I'm it just hurts. like you know, still I was, I'm like, listen, I, 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 I aspire <laughs> to be with y'all someday. Like, listen, some people don't know who Stag Shock is today. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? That is, that is. I can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> After everything we've lived through with COVID, I can believe it. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. That is true. Oh, but, um, all right. So, uh, I, yeah, all right. I got Sam. Mike, any, any final, any final thoughts on your end? Um, I'm really intrigued to see what, uh, the part two or rest of the uh, other half of Invincible season two going to be because um, yes, even though I've read the comics, they are taking a lot of, you know, uh, creative liberties with this, you know, the uh, uh, few episodes that we have seen. Um, again, I commend them for uh, even not even just with this season, also what they did with the Adam Eve special, like they're, mm -hmm. they're actually are doing a very good job of just spending their time with these characters and flushing them out. More importantly, again, is just knowing that uh, even though you think this might be a throwaway character, you'd be surprised. All it takes just one episode and they become your fan favorite. Um, and, and anything, there's also something we can take out of this uh, each episode, especially I think episode three, where it's like uh, if anybody either experienced COVID or uh, or just in general, just uh, it's, uh, experiencing loss, uh, loss or grief, whatever that might be for you. Um, Again, it's just like this is a very, very um, enlightening show, but also timely as well. Uh, final thoughts, Amelia. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely like those side characters, and I, I think it's a great point that you never know who's going to be your favorite, and I love that. So I, I just love things like this where um, you, you want to pay attention and really see. Uh, I think. I think for me, what I'm most looking forward to is seeing Mark and his dad and just where things go from there. I mean, I know things are left very much a question mark at the end of the episode, um, but just just seeing how Mark deals with all of that and where things go, um, because once again, it's just a huge mental roller coaster that Mark has been put through. 
And now we have, now he's seen other Viltrumites. So now he's, he's seeing his dad in a larger context. And I'm really interested to see where that goes. That's a good point. That's a good point. This has been so awesome. This has been an even better crossover than <laughs> I could have ever imagined. Thank y'all so much for agreeing to do this. Before we leave, I was going to give everyone a chance to uh to plug their to plug their channels i know all these people dearly i work with all of these people <laughs> dearly but still got to give the, still got to give uh the chance for y'all to shout your networks out sam yeah so we're jvs media productions um we do reviews discussions interviews we go to film festivals we handle conventions as far as reviews, we cover everything from movies to TV shows. We used to cover comics, may get back to that. We're trying to go and cover games. So yeah, it's all full entertainment hub. It can be found on YouTube at Team JVS, as well as you can type in teamjvs.com to go to our URL as well. And this was amazing. Thank you, Keaton. Thank you, Amelia. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Mike. Yeah, so uh, you can also find me at Team JVS as well. Um, you can also find me on my my channel, uh, Jedi Mike Seven. Uh, reviews, news, and truth. Do the same thing. You know, uh, do uh, movie reviews. Uh, uh, post several interviews as well, um, and uh, continue to be posting stuff relatively soon. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you can follow me at Jedi Mike Seven. The handle down below, and also on Team JBS. Awesome, awesome. And last but not least, Amelia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so excited that we did this. Thank you so much, JPS, for uh, joining us, collabing. Um, so you can find me through Bat Therapy Podcast. So anywhere that you listen to podcasts, we also have a YouTube channel. Um, so if you prefer watching the videos, we also are trying to build up some like shorter videos and stuff. Um, one other thing that we didn't do today, but we also have through our podcast and on YouTube, our Mindful Nerd Moments. So if you like mindfulness, um, or if you don't think you like mindfulness because you think it might be boring or just not your thing, but you are nerdy, uh, you should check it out. Um, you can do things like uh, mindfully flying through the air like Invincible or uh, throwing a battering like Batman or other things where we just take advantage of the helpfulness of mindfulness. Um, so, yeah. And we're also on social media. All that jazz. That hyphen therapy dot com is our website. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, this has been absolutely uh, phenomenal. But yes, I'm. you can find me at all the places that uh, these, these folks have mentioned because I am a part of Team JVS as well as a part of the Bat Therapy podcast. Like and subscribe to both of them because they're both amazing. Um, and yeah, I hope everyone has a great night and thank you so much for being a part of this. Yay. Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist, Dr. Amelia Brown. And I'm educator and comic aficionado, Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at Team JVS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com our Bat Therapy YouTube channel and follow us on social media and don't forget our Patreon page at patreon.com slash bat therapy. See you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs>